Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I, we're saving it for the show, but I definitely need my fix on Route 66. <laughs> this show is not for the easily offended. So if you are easily offended, go listen to something else. Welcome back, listeners. It's Indie Comic Book Noise. Episode 490. We're getting up there. Today we have a special pre-Halloween. And yes, this time we are going to date the show. So we're going to have all kinds of time-sensitive things. And we'll see if Andy can post the show. Is that the LA Rabbit? Andy's me. The LA Rabbit. Dialing in from Los Angeles. And we also have our two other regular hosts from the Icebox WRX Kev, say hi, Kev. Hello. I was going to do this whole last night tonight bit, but, you know, I, I forgot until after I said hello. So that's going for me. And from the nation's capital, the fully fortified otter's den, the auto otter himself, Phil. Say hi, Phil. John Oliver. Yeah, I like John Oliver, too. Yeah, he's good. Any uh, come. I don't remember who he is. I, I remember the name, but I can't. <laughs> he, he he's also, that British guy that that tells Americans what's wrong, and the then they get the glasses. Yes. Yeah. He okay. hosts a weekly satirical news half hour <laughs> show featured on I'll, HBO. I do. <laughs> Although I don't know how satirical it is at times. Yeah, it's pretty fair point. They usually feature a couple of humorous and then a deep dive into something. And then he'll run some ads in another country or something to piss off some foreign leader. Yeah, they have some fun with their budget. But anyways, enough about last week tonight. This is Indie Comic Book Noise, the show where we discuss everything indie, which can include all sorts of wide varieties of ancillary topics that tie in. We're part of the Deliberate Noise Network. Check out all the awesome shows. Sadly, Super Steve isn't here. Host of Marvel Noise on the Sister Shows, because he is away at the Baltimore Comic Con. He's ghosting us. Look at that. I dated the show. I told you, gentlemen, this is the one. I'm dropping it all over the place. That 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 that's pretty good. I I like how you're fearless. Like that that is so indie, you're just like, I'm letting it all hang loose. Yeah. Yeah. So when this show comes out in February. Pants pooping everywhere. Dropping it all over the place. No one's gonna know what's going on. But As you heard from the beginning, we have our disclaimer. The disclaimer is just about the fact that we sometimes have bad language and the all-encompassing nature of indie comic books means once in a while we discuss mature subjects. But as I always disclaim our disclaimer, we never say anything controversial. Should I disclaim your disclaim your disclaim? I've never said fuck cheese once on the show. Uh, That might not represent our views. Like, like. Did you hear about the American way? It might not include for a better tomorrow. Uh, that's the that's not an independent comic book <laughs> <laughs> reference. Too, <buddy. laughs> way I knew to you go, John. <laughs> Kevin. Kevin. So early in the show, we slip our DC in later on. We don't put DC in the front. We got to get it past the censors. Is that's a T-shirt that someone would have, right? Like. Indie up front and DC in the rear or something. Familiar with the double entendre 
quote, humorous, unquote, t-shirts. Nothing with the potty humor tonight. Well, as I said, dating this show hideously. So, Super Steve is away at Baltimore Comic Con. I am feeling the Comic Con Jones. So, our very own con man, Kevin, is going to drop in and regale us with tales of his own show. No, not that dump fan expo, but where the real action is happening. It's also happening this weekend. Arctic Circle Comic Festival of Arts. <laughs> Where he tabled. Yeah, Con Man is back after, what, 16, 17 months? It's been a long time, anyhow. Like, And I'm Too tired. Yeah, I mean, like, who thought that uh, carrying uh, short boxes would be, uh, would be that tiring? But I'm here to tell you, uh, mm-hmm. I was building up to it. I was walking. I was exercising. And, and it did not prepare me for how much con prep and stuff you need to do for that. That's a substantial inventory you bought. Plus, you shared mm-hmm. with us privately photos of that. Yep, private photos. Of you at the show in your booth, which was quite exciting. I mean, sometimes yeah. stuff leaks into social media, so follow no. <laughs> Comic Book N on Twitter. But tell yes, us about the show. Um, so you're selling. So you had short boxes there. You had some toys. Did you bring yeah, any video very, game stuff? I was very impressed because I thought you just did like a few comic boxes or something. Like no, I usually have some. Years. Uh, I didn't realize you had like a whole big setup. Yeah. I, I mean, I have some of those, uh, usually a few Disney things, some plush things, uh, some toys, some general books and related uh, collectibles. And since like one of the shows is has more video game vendors, I also had some video game stuff. But... This time it was, uh, even though I brought the video games, I didn't sell any this time. So it was all up to comics to like shoulder that burden. How'd you do? What what was the uh, up, down, sideways? I think it went well. Well, I like I never did the the final final report that I usually write up for myself at the end of the after I've you know let the info settle in, in my brain, but. I think it was like a like a 2019 show. It was weird. Like they thought attendance might be down. At least you were thinking at least 15%, right? Because you, you had like it was a mask mandate. Uh, people had to be fully vaxxed to get in. So well, you expect presumably some kind less of... uh, capacity as well. Yeah, yeah. Like we don't need to be so reached, opaque. Uh, we just want to know I, I the mean, truth. I mean, I think we figured out that uh, Phil before was was. Didn't he mention like some some what was it? Not a murder. Wasn't it body parts that were washing up? And then like yeah, next week was there was that story in in BC about and we were like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> super spy activity. Maybe that that shouldn't have been on that episode. But anyhow, I knew that because it was on the news. You just I don't know. It was a fishy timing, fact- Phil. That's that's all we want to say. If you don't want to confirm or deny anything i'm innocent (laughs) so for your sales what was was it comics was the best or toys or what how does it break down i didn't sell a big quantity of stuff but then i i like write down like not every single issue but like pretty much like a, a big majority of stuff that i've sold but to me like, I'm not selling, like, any 
big run of books, so I don't notice this big amount of books going. Mm-hmm. But for like wall books and stuff, I'm like, yeah, like, like what do you concentrate on? Going. Like, like, nice. like, what's your main stock? Like for comics, like, what do you mostly sell? Uh, usually more Marvel than DC. Mm-hmm. That's Silver Age Marvel, man. That stuff goes. I mean, I did have people looking for Silver Age Marvel, but I don't have a huge ton of it, so. It's pricey. I mean, I feel like the other vendor that usually shows up, usually he has more older stuff while I have more, like, newer stuff. So we complement each other pretty well because we don't buy, bring all the same stuff. I did bring some graded books this time, though, because I knew he wasn't going to be there, but I didn't happen to sell any because I just noticed that some of the books were maybe still a residual from, you know, the... Like, the market was already kind of hot on certain things, but seems like it overheated in the last 18 months. Oof, I'll say. I feel like it has on these auction sites. I never know how legitimate the transactions are. You don't really know. But it feels like even stuff you bought uh, two years ago or whatever is now at a significant premium. Mm-hmm. Plus, the grading stuff, I get, I'm get. i on their emailing list, and they're always doing loads of private signings and this, that. And it's funny now, it's a ton of actors, too. They get, like, if you act in a movie with a superhero connection or a comic book, you can get a, you know, graded signed book. I mean, you don't get to meet the person. It's submitted and they sign them in a big stack. But it's just funny how that's taken off. And I don't know, it's weird to think I'm going to get, you know, whoever plays the character to sign it as opposed to one of the people that actually made the comic but why not yeah like i i I guess certain things that could be exciting like maybe wonder woman signs some wonder woman 80th anniversary but outside of that like i'm not gonna i wouldn't want like i don't know michael keaton to sign a random issue of batman like that doesn't sound exciting absolutely it does yeah, they have a lot of that seems to be happening. But part of it for me is uh, you want to, the only time I've done that sort of stuff is I meet the people. Well, you that's kind of fun to be like, oh, hey, I'm a big fan. I like your comics or whatever yeah. the heck they do. And and like if you're there and then you're like, maybe you're like, oh, this creator is awesome. I'll buy your book and then you can sign it. And like, I don't know, like the, the, the signature thing is I mean, not for other people, obviously, but for me, like, yeah, I I don't, like, buy a lot. I wouldn't do that type of thing. Like, I, I don't know what the, like, I don't get excited just by, no. hey, I got this thing I signed. I mean, if I got a deal on it, I would, I've bought books at a deal that were signed, but that's because I felt their price was uh, competitive. You know, it was a good deal, so the signing didn't add any factor into it. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I feel like signing should be free. Yeah. Good like luck with that, Phil. You know? Like, if yeah, you're buying yeah. Book, like, what? Like, I've never had to pay for a Yeah, why don't you go back and tell us when, when comics cost a nickel, Phil, and all the other <laughs> things that used to happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think comic creators, well, I, Neil Adams, but... I, <laughs> I've never traditionally, had... Traditionally, I don't think they charge a lot for signing things. No, a lot of times, and also a lot of times for a good cause. They have, like, the hero yeah, initiative. Yeah, and that sort of stuff, so it's hard to... But I have a stack of bags and boards, and somehow tucked in there was a signed 
the Flash number one from the New 52 book that I had stacked in just a stack of bags and boards that I use. Because a lot of times I buy books that aren't, so I'll recycle old bags well, and boards. Well, New 52, that's what I was going to say. You're probably going to recycle that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's signed, Phil. It must be worth millions of dollars, right? Signed by who? Francis Manipool? Uh, no, Brian Bucolato. Oh. Is he local to... Yeah, I'm pretty sure. He oh, certainly okay. seems to be at a lot of shows around here. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah, guessing... Well, I guess we got the other half of the creative team then. Oh, we should do an exchange. <laughs> I mean, in that situation, it worked out pretty well. But yeah, I've, I found it like the slowest opening of, of probably any show that I've been to. But that's because they, they let the VAPs in first. And, you know, they have to verify their status and everything to get in. So then like after that initial push, you know, of people gets through, then it started like heating up and I was, you know, there's pretty much like always someone at our, uh, at our booth for uh, many hours. So that, that was, that was good. I, I always wonder like the people beside you are, are selling other stuff or there's artists or something. And I'm wondering, Oh, I wonder how they're, doing like i don't see them selling a lot of stuff but then i'm like i'm focused on my stuff so i always wonder if someone's there like oh man i w- i wish we had a booth like that or that we had that many people at our booth you know it's 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 kind of deceptive in a way sometimes when you're selling stuff i can well like you say you're focused on your own i don't know if afterwards you guys go out for a beer or whatever and talk about the show with your fellow or maybe beforehand, did you buy anything cool before it opened, like while you're cruising around setting up? I didn't. I, I sort of look around to see if anyone has uh, any comics or anything. I mean, I could pick up some games, but traditionally it's not uh, not something I usually do. Like, oh, I so there aren't like a lot of, something. there's not a ton of comic vendors at the show then? No, like I think someone had graphic novels, but there wasn't oh, okay. a lot of... Uh, other comic stuff going around this time so i always wonder because the show is advertised as as comics and if you're like the major comic guy i was wondering if you have more than one comic vendor or bit major comic vendor then maybe the comic guy will think the comic fans will be like oh then it's more worthwhile going to them for them to go if that's the only thing they're into but there's enough crossover between these things. Like you're probably into more than one thing that's going to be at the show, anyways. Be like hunting down like first appearances and stuff for good prices, and then sell it for higher. I guess it was a good show, anyways. It, but it was. I mean, the other thing is about being a, a when you're a vendor at the show, like especially at a show like this, with you know things are 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 not really normal uh is you're behind the table so even though they're looking at stuff they're like in the pool of of people walking not really back and forth because you're there's directional arrows but they're all like walking together and you have like some distance from them because you're behind the table so in a way there's like a, a like a little bit of a barrier between you and them so that's like you don't get that weird con feeling of or that feeling of that you could possibly get if there's too many people in here type of thing because you're you don't really experience that from behind the table how did your toys do i sold some toys i mean i could have sold some more but 
people are looking for different stuff. Sometimes it's hard to predict. Do you wheel and deal or you uh, like have your prices and that's it? Or how does that work? Or you don't have to say if you feel like I can't. <laughs> well, I can't give away the, the secrets. I, I'll let you know if you don't have post prices posted. I usually don't shop at the <laughs> booths that are like, yeah, prices are a mystery. Do you have prices, Kevin? 99% of the things I have prices. And technically, the CGCs have prices, but they're on the back of the thing. Oh, that's no good. Because usually, if you're into that stuff, like, you're you're into some high-end things. So you're going to ask about like those things. Like, a tag underneath it, like, not even attached to it. I'm not, I'm not a fan of, of people that don't price their stuff, or when you go to buy something from them they whip out the ebay and then start checking things like that that's that <laughs> never works out well no so yeah i i definitely have my stuff uh priced up the thing is like some of the stuff i know how much i like paid for it or stuff i just like read and i'm unloading i might have a different mentality for for pricing like if I, if I got that as a super deal like i might pass the deal on to the people buying it or other stuff I know how much I paid for, and I'm like, or I know it's really popular, so I'm like, I got to be firm on that price. I can get that. Yeah, it's just, I yeah. just, like, I, I'm not there to grind anybody, like, I kind of just want to know the price, and if it's what I want to pay, I'll pay it, and if not, there's nothing, this isn't heart medicine or anything, like, <laughs> I, I can walk away, you know, there's nothing there. Yeah. I mean, and someone, sometimes someone's buying, like, several things, and, like, you can't be after, like, grinding out, like, every dollar. Sometimes it's not about that type of thing, right? No, I would think not. I mean, you're, I mean, I assume you want to make your, uh, make as much as you can, even if you lose a few dollars here, if you make more sales overall. I mean, I assume some of this is also getting rid of your inventory to some effect. I know some, certainly it seems like with the art dealers, they'll exchange inventory once in a while or whatever more just to see if they can get stuff around. I know car dealers used to sometimes talk about, you know, they get their allotment from the factory, but they also kind of, you know, you want to, something's been on the lot for a while, you want to get something else in there. I just have so many, like $2, $3 books right now. This has been a couple of years and everything. Definitely wish I would have sold more of those, but we'll see what happens at the at another show. Whenever that is, like, oh, you don't maybe. have it lined up yet. No, like maybe we'll see if there's one um, in the spring, summer, fall, whatever. However, the world looks like uh, in that situation. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah. Ho- hopefully, con man. Uh, in the spring uh next year too like i'm still thinking about that san diego show in november i don't know i just i'm I'm just concerned about it well that that's why i like with the fan expo one i wasn't i got pretty worn out so it would have been a lot anyways well i'm not gonna be selling so it's a little bit different yeah that that that's the other thing too but then they they have the whole thing with the they wanted you to activate your... Remember we went into the whole thing about the badge and how they have the the radio frequency badges now and they want you to activate it and tap in and tap out and all that stuff? 
Yeah. And I was just like, uh, I'm like, do we, do we really need to do that this year of all, <laughs> all years? Like, I've, uh, I knock on wood. I'm sure it's going to fall apart, but I've had pretty decent luck with all that stuff. Yeah. Like I didn't, I wasn't looking forward to like using someone else's iPad to like activate the badge. Oh, or... that part I can see. Yeah. Yeah. And then like there, there's so many, like I, I'm sure if, if you live real close by to the convention center and you're super local, like some of the, the taking out the traveling would certainly help <laughs> with some of these situations. Like the travel is just a little bit more annoying. And the thing is, I don't always just go to the con. Like I want to go to other places and I don't know if they're open or, or they have weird schedules now. And it was just a lot of it seemed like, like it was going to be a hassle. Yeah, I I don't I'm so wishy washy. I don't know. Part of it is it's fun to go back and do all that, but if I'm gonna be thinking in the back of my head while I'm rubbing elbows with some filthy long box diver, I so rubbing it out. Uh, you know, it might make me nervous. I guess I should ask you if this is weird. Like, I have some book priced at whatever it's priced at, right? And then people are telling me this book is priced too low. Or I think this book is worth more. And then I'm kind of like in the back of my head going, yeah, that's why people should buy it. I priced it at a good price. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least they're trying to make sure you don't get ripped off today. I mean, that that could be it too, right? But sometimes I have deals or whatever. I want people to buy something. So it's just kind of funny. I mean, I guess I appreciate it, but it's priced why it's what it's priced for. So. Well, you know, I don't need to tell you the market moves so quickly. Like, you know, suddenly some character that was on half a panel is now getting an eight movie series or whatever. So why don't you get into the like eBay business or something? And that way you, you don't need a con even. I only like to buy. I've sold a few things, but I just don't like dealing. There are so many people that are hustling there. And it's a lot of, like, yeah, I just don't like dealing with the hustlers. And it's filled with them, people mm-hmm. trying to make. Because if you follow people that sell online, they always have stories about just dealing with all the headache. And unless it's going to be my job, I don't want to. I mean, I do buy stuff from there. But I also never buy anything more than I'm willing not to get ripped off for. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's all just a really... Uh, now that money, now that real money is in old comics, it really is worth it for some shady, unfortunately, for shady people. That's why I try and keep it to reader copies and cheap stuff, because, you know, if I'm paying five bucks an issue, I don't really care if I get ripped off, so to speak. But I want to spend 500 bucks and get ripped off. I mean, I've bought things for a couple hundred bucks, but I'm off that off of eBay now. I don't spend that much money. I just don't trust it. I'll buy the odd board game here and there because I have gotten some amazing deals and hard to find ones, you know, or something. Yeah. I, I just can't imagine sending like a thousand dollar book through the mail and hoping it gets there and everything goes right. Like that's some anxiety. Yeah, I'm uh, I, I'm I'm uh, yeah, I just the whole thing is like I said, if it's some amount I can afford, then that's fine. 
but I don't, it's like Kickstarter. I don't want to spend any more than I'd feel comfortable losing because you, it is somewhat of a gamble. Yeah. Well, what I do usually is like, cause I've been doing Kickstarter again a bit and, uh, I'll usually do it when, uh, like for a board game, for example, if it's a second printing, but with expansions, like if, if it's a second printing, you know, it's going to cut like come out again you know kind of thing yeah things like that so yes con man felt good felt good <laughs> andrew felt good being in there being part of the scene and everything again hearing those comments about comics i mean i love phil andrew i love hearing your comments about comics yeah but i also like being in there and hearing other comments about comics well you're there you know yeah besides you're making money <laughs> Like, mm-hmm. uh, when I go to shows, it's much, the money flow goes way differently, Kevin. <laughs> it goes out of my pocket, not into my pocket. So it's mm-hmm. an entirely different. And it's a good way to keep control of your collection. At home. Yeah, this this is true, too. Yeah, because some stuff I'm like. Yeah, you read it once, you don't need to read it again, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, some stuff you're just like, that's cool. But mm-hmm. it's it's sort of the stuff you, like you want to keep and then the stuff you're you're okay with selling but you'll keep too and then the stuff you need like you're like i want to get rid of this not that it was a that was a bad or you're not going to read it again i just i want to thin my collection and just keep stuff that i'm willing to reread you know yeah yeah it changes over time because you'll be like oh this was a cool trade but yeah you know i mean if i I sell it you know i sell it yeah i end up giving away the stuff so I've thought about, but I'm like, all the stuff, most of the stuff, it's what, quarter, 50 cent stuff? Mm -hmm. And so, how much of it do I need to pay for the table? Plus, that's my day not at the con. I mean, I'm at the con, but I'm not doing the things I normally do. Like, I'm not shopping or looking at stuff. I'm selling it. So, if it was anything, if I thought it wasn't more than, like, Andy's collection of recent quarter books or whatever... It's not that they're not worth more. I just can't sell them quickly for anything. You know what I mean? Everything's worth yeah. something, but it's only if you get that buyer. And as far as I'm concerned, I mean, I bet you, I don't know. I wonder if I put them for 25 cents, if I could just well clear. Would, well, then you need someone who wants that particular issue or whatever. Yeah. As runs, you know, that kind of thing. That way it's easier to price. And... I know. I Sometimes... Yeah, sometimes there's an entire run there, and someone well, will just many pick up. series together, you know, things like that. Yeah, I know other people have said they've had luck with selling sets of comics. I just never have that luck. Because it's, that's it's just how, better for me to have the single issues there. Because that's how I like getting it a lot of the time. Is if I oh, see me like, too. Yeah, I like buying a set. Problem is, I don't always have a lot of sets, or there'll be an issue or two <laughs> missing, or whatever. <laughs> you know me, Phil. I got just piles of random comics laying around. Yeah, so I tried a different thing this time where instead of uh, having my metal heavy racks behind me, I mm-hmm. use those plastic shelves where you have the cylinders, you pop into the into the shelf, into the level there. So, I mean, I think that worked out relatively well. I mean, I just couldn't set up, a, like I thought something would work out a certain way, and I thought I had checked it out ahead of time, and it didn't, so I was just like, Oh, and then I, I made an alternative uh, arrangement for how I was going to yeah. set up. So I was just like, well, that was quick thinking. <laughs> Very cryptic. Well, to 
further date the show, why don't I talk about a Kickstarter Mm -hmm. to make it fun? Um, I don't know if you guys remember episode 429 back in July of 2019 when the world was a different place. But I talked about Sean Lenore's webcomic, How to Be a Werewolf. Put a link into it as well. Did you figure out how to be a werewolf? She launched a Kickstarter. Oh, cool. And it expires November 19th, so we'll see if I get this up before then. And it's already funded. So if you like the pledge goal of 15000 and they're over 23000 so you can get it as a digital or print and with a digital art book and stuff. And what I, what I thought I would raise with you kids that I've found interesting and really isn't my jam, but seems to be everywhere, is one of the tiers includes an enamel pen. And I'm like, they seem to be all the... Like, I have a few, but I'm not really a pen guy. But I just feel like pens have taken over. Yeah. I was going to ask you, Andrew... What's the deal with pins? Because I know even Funko has gotten into it, and the pins are more expensive than the actual figures, like $25 for a giant pin. I don't get it. I mean, they have some real elaborate... Well, first of all, I get that it's like metal and enamel and quality materials, and maybe they hold up a little bit better. I also think with their size, you could have a huge pin collection and not take up space. Like, you could store what, like five or six pins at least for every Funko Pop or, you know what I mean? So from yeah. a size collection, I feel like you could really, but I also don't know the, do you display them in like books or I don't, know. I, I, don't I, I just thought it was interesting. I know mainly I remember this from the Disney end. Disney had pin and pin trading and all that stuff. And I thought, and I have a few, like they were interesting kind of like Funko Pops like I have a few and now I don't really buy anymore but it was kind of interesting and it just seems like everyone's taken over and all these smaller outlets now do enamel pins and I don't know if any of you guys bought any have any trade any pins yeah I feel Uh, like pins they were just kind of giving away as as a freebie with books that you would buy and now they're like more of a thing well, I get a lot of pins in my horror loot boxes, but usually I just give them to my daughter so she collects them. But I mean, they're like higher. Like in the old days, I remember buttons were kind oh, of disposable. Oh, they're nice pins, yeah. Yeah, like these yeah. things now, they're like, they're, they are, you can see they're not just cheap yeah. pressed out yeah. buttons like we had when we were kids. Oh, no, but yeah, like are... the pin, sticker, other accoutrement thing. I don't know. I just think it's fascinating that there's this subculture. It seems to be tangential to comics, like not exclusive, but I see it in Kickstarters. I see it when I go to shows, people selling them. When I used to go to shows, I should say. So you think I people actually know. buy pins, though? Like, I feel like most people just get them with something because they come with it. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't know if anyone's going to have some yeah. like pin price guide book and be like, well, this there's only... 500 of this pin like yeah i feel like there would not be pin collectors these days i don't know i know back in the day at disneyland and disney world people would trade them like Mm -hmm. old baseball they'd have these little sections and people would come up with their pins and you know you'd meet up and be like i'll trade you this for that or these two for that one or what so they have some value i was just when they invaded comic book i guess i should talk about 
If you don't want to listen to that episode, How to Be a Werewolf was like a fun web comic. I don't know. Well, I'll put a link to the Kickstarter. Yeah, I feel I like I already talked about the book. It's a little uh, expensive for Canada, like prices. That's the thing. Yeah. That's but I'll also that's put a link to the web comic itself mm-hmm. as well to remind people. But you can listen to that episode. I enjoyed it. I'm unsure if I'm backing this Kickstarter or not. I think I probably will, but I have not backed it yet. I don't know. I kind of think it's interesting they're doing it as a soft cover I like book. Yeah. I really like the art too. I'm just curious about I don't know. I don't know. I think it'll be I feel like you talked about it twice. You're willing to collect all those spawn series. <laughs> get this. Phil, let's be honest. You know I'm gonna end up backing it, but I have to <laughs> pretend like I'm really on the thing, you know, that oh, is, I think about things. This is that Andy waffling around pretend I'm still backing those Snyder Ditko comics and he's been dead for how long? Yeah. I don't know if they're gonna come. So, yeah. Well, they've started adding other people into the into the collections and stuff. So it's it's interesting. Oh, so Jack other, Kirby's going to be in there now. Uh, uh, I assume the people they're adding are well, they're either really old reprints or living people. Oh, I so thought I thought they would keep the theme going and only have dead people. <laughs> no, it. I mean, some of them are when they do these really old reprints and stuff. It's a. Yeah, I've talked about those before, but it's an interesting look at old comic book world mm-hmm. that uh, I'm still enjoying and still will back for a while. I'm curious, yeah. am I just going to keep bagging for the next decade or what? Like at some point I would think that I would stop, but I don't know. Maybe I'll yeah. got to get them all back it forever. It's just so funny that, you know, now that he's passed on, the train is still rolling. <laughs> was, those are some yeah. Kickstarters. I just, the last Ditko uh, Snyder one just passed, mm-hmm. so they just collected my pledge, so that one's going. I also got mm-hmm. the Mysterious Traveler was, I think, the most recent one. Uh, that's the Mysterious Traveler number 34. What's really funny is it's like a bunch of different titles, but they all rotate so the numbers aren't even, and it has a few <laughs> Ditko pieces, but it also has some pieces, like I said, by let me pull this out, Joshua Warren. Has a little one-page piece in it. Mm-hmm. It's very uh, uh, R- Snyder and Adolfo Buglia have a piece. So yeah, it's moved off. I mean, they, like I said, they still include at le- this one has at least two Ditko pieces. But I wonder if at some point it's just going to be no Ditko at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, on. he's not like Michael Turner, is he? Like he, like. He seems to have an endless supply of like sketches and drawings that they can just repurpose. But well, I think these are already have been published for the most. Okay. From my understanding, they're pretty clearly. You look at the dates on them. Like this piece is from 1983, and uh, the opening frontis piece, the mysterious traveler pieces, also I believe, just from looking at it, is one of those reprints from an earlier time. But I don't know. I mean, the funny thing is I have so many of these. I wonder when I'm just going to start the stuff they're reprinting is stuff they reprinted from a prior issue. Yeah. Like Archie? Oh, yeah. But well, I'm never going to. Like, I have like a, a short box full of these things or whatever. Because <laughs> so, I've been at it for 20 years or whatever. So wow. it's a more significant. 
I mean, I think that was with my dupes. I gave away at a show. I gave, mm-hmm. old Javier was there, and I gave him a big stack. And I'm like, here, you're a big Ditko fan. You can give these away to if you're missing any accidentally, or you want to give them away to students or people like that. It was fun because I don't need two copies of all this. Some of them I had three because I also used to do the packages where they'd send you old ones and. Sometimes they throw extra ones in the box or whatever, just for whatever. (laughs) Yeah, it's a fun, for a laugh. And it just tickles me to see my name in the back of a Steve Ditko comic for some reason. Yeah, you see the same guys everywhere, and you're like, well, these guys are the hardcore Ditko guys. (laughs) Yeah, it's the same list every time. Yeah, exactly. It might be. I don't know. It's funny to see. But, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a... It's a fun way to engage in comics. And that's what yeah. we're all looking for, right? To have a laugh, have a good mm-hmm. time. I mean, cons are, are that. And and I know some people are down on different aspects of the hobby. They're like, oh, why would anyone do this? I'm like, it's another way to engage with the hobby that you love. Yes. I just like, don't, don't like all it. all have to do the same thing right. or, or all have to participate in the same way. Yes, I feel fandom has gotten really weird about when people express and they engage with it differently and other people just, their little brains short out and they end up being like, that's not right. And it's like, hey, if someone wants to just buy super rare variant covers and that's what they want to do or collect Funko Pops or whatever, you know, however they're doing it. Batman comics. Yeah. Or uh, board games, Phil? Well, you said I couldn't talk about board games on the show unless it was about comics. So I took that as a threat, Andrew. And I was like, hmm, that should be easy then. So I could talk about mind management or Hellboy board game. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> the uh, the uh, Stuff of Legends Kickstarter just closed. Yeah, I know. It was, it was very expensive, so I passed on that one. But I hate IDW games, so I can't talk about those ones. Wow. And uh, and I was like, well, I could talk about comics based on board games. But I'm like, nah, that's too easy. So instead, I looked for comics that are board games. Whoa. Oh, like uh, Monopoly. They have the little drawings on those uh, community (laughs) chess cards. No, these are hardcover graphic novels. There's like, they just, they have a Kickstarter going right now for like wave five, I think. I just picked a handful of books that looked the most interesting to me. And uh, I haven't read them all or anything. I've only tried the superhero one, which is called uh, Mystery. And it's basically just a... This one I did not like at all, but I knew that buying it, I just got it because it was the superhero one. But it's it's basically just like choose your own adventure books. I got one called uh, Lily Van Helsing, a werewolf one, and then uh, a couple others. But the the big one that's only really like a board game is this Western one called Your Town. And there's like a map in the back where with those squares where you like fill in your town and there's resources and an economy and all kinds of stuff like that, but they're by Van Ryder games. Have you guys heard of these? No, I have no. not. No. Can, yeah, can you just pretty, read it without playing it or you kind of have to play? Yeah. It? Yeah. Like basically most of these, except for the cowboy one are basically choose your own adventure, but with, uh, you'll keep character stats and things like that, you know, like simple yeah, stuff. I used to do books. They had D and D books like that and you had yeah. dice and there'd be a monster and you'd like 
roll the dice to fight the monster and yeah things thing. like that yeah and i've always been a big fan of choose your own adventure as a kid so i thought it'd be fun to just pick up the ones of these that interest me the most and uh and the superhero one apparently too <laughs> well that one yeah it was just because of the story was like uh that you're joining the justice league kind of thing you know and it's so it's you try trying out for that so i thought okay this could be fun but but uh, when i my first experience was like I, so there's a map where you can pick what locations you go to and uh so i picked uh, their headquarters and it took me like five pages of nothing just to get there like go to this page and then it was just me like just a picture and then go to this page and then like it was like it was pointless kind of thing like it just wasn't so i think a lot of these are going to be hit and misses my other ones actually do look pretty cool and interesting but uh but yeah i shouldn't have i should have listened to my gut and not got this one because this one's very much for kids too i think where some of my other ones are a little more mature yeah superheroes are only for kids phil yeah. <laughs> if you learn one thing and then something else i picked up as you know i hate idw games i just so, learned that now <laughs> yeah, yeah well, what's what's so wrong with idw games i just find them very boring like uh the kind of game where maybe you'll play it once and then never again so they're kind of a waste of money but you're you're not ruining the game, right? I thought there was one board game where like you destroy oh, the cards games? as you play have, the game. I have a lot of games like that where you play it once and then it's gone. I like because uh, I like story driven games a lot and stuff, so I definitely have a lot of legacy games. I heard but about yeah, some so... friends had one of those they wanted to give me. It was like, yeah, you play it through and you have to escape or figure out the puzzle. Well, yeah, escape or... rooms are like that a lot too. I don't do a lot of those, but but yeah, I got a couple anyway of those. But yeah, so I picked up an IDW game <laughs> against my uh-huh. inner will. But this one is is actually pretty cool. It's Escape from a Hundred Million BC. Is that a property? I think that's a Roger again. That might be a Roger Corman or similar. Okay. Exploitation film. Games. Yeah, but it, but yeah, it's really cool. It's one where uh, basically your time machine broke and you're in the prehistoric age, and and it's. Uh, so basically, you go from this volcano where you crashed, and you have to go out and find all your the pieces of the time machine and put it back together. But and yeah, one of the cool things about it is though your items all got mixed up too out there. And if you go back, fix your time machine, but you didn't find all those items, it's going to cause time to change, you know. So it like messes up uh, the future kind of thing. But yeah, it's really neat. But I, I got this one because I knew the reviews were good. Where a lot of the other ones don't really get good reviews. But that's why I, I just thought I'd tell you, just because it was an IDW game, I just find it interesting that they do games, too. Yeah, I like it. Looks like there was a 100 million BC movie in 2008. Okay. I don't know oh. if it's connected. I, well, I, I have seen that one. Uh, yeah, I wonder. No, I don't think, because this is Escape, and this is about uh, people with a time machine. That one doesn't have a time machine. Oh, I don't know. I have, I have not seen the film. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, that's cool. It's fun. We didn't do the Stuff of Legend ones because it was also three people. It looks said. good. Oh, and I'm uh, like, no. We're a two had, person. I thought it was one and up because usually I only get games that are one and up that way because I, I like a lot of solo games so they get to the table more. When I read the thing, it was a uh, th- game for three people and up, three to eight or uh, whatever. Sometimes, though, as it goes on stretch goals and stuff, they'll put solo modes in. Because I, I could have swore it had... Uh, or sometimes those ones, too, you just control an extra character. Yeah, that's not... Game, you can just control an extra character, you know? 
I want it built for either solo or two people. Yeah. It does know. look cool. I have a game very uh, similar similar to it, so I feel like I already have that itch scratched. But uh, but yeah, it it does look like a very well like it's going to be a beautiful game. And and you could buy it with the comic books too. Yeah, have all their I thought I saw that was nice. I was like, because yeah. I think the last uh, mm-hmm. volume five was it for them, but I don't know. I yeah, hate to say, so, I know there have been so many delays. I was thinking of just getting the extras, like the comics that I don't have. But but I feel like that's a game I might regret not getting, because it's going to be too expensive to get later on, you know, or I'll have to get... Uh, well, I'm trying to get out of miniatures anyway, so I'm, tr- I'm more into standees just to save room, you know? So if they put out a standee version, I'd probably get it. Like a retail one. Kevin, I think you mentioned you might have a comic book. I actually have comic books. I, I mean, I don't know why someone would talk about comics on this show, but... Uh... <laughs> Gunslinger? But I do have an image comic, in fact. Uh, a Frontiersman comic. Yeah, that cover looked cool that you said. Yeah. So this is... Uh, I guess it's Patrick... Uh, Kinlon and Marco Ferrari and uh, letters by Jim Campbell. Any relation? Like he's a Jay Campbell. Any relation to Jay Scott Campbell? I don't know. <laughs> but the thing that struck me about this one is something about the, maybe it's the coloring and the art style. Like it, it looks like black science. Cause I was reading it and I'm like, this looks like something. It's weird, cause it, but it does have that, um, like, like the the motion lines sometimes when they when they flash back to some of the superhero stuff, or then they have um, the zipatone in some of these things too. So it's not it's not super like Matteo uh, Scalera uh, look, but I, I th- that's what it reminded me of mostly because I was like I was trying to I was trying to place it. I mean, I just, I realized when, once I finally got through it, like they had um, an ad in the back and it says more quality work from the creators. So apparently they had done some Aftershock and uh, Black Mask Studios. Because so I'm like, wow, this looks pretty accomplished for if this was your first image book. But apparently I wasn't aware of, uh, aware of these creators before. That's Sometimes always a fun like, discovery when it's like, yeah, whoa. yeah. New mm-hmm. people. And I feel like, hey, it's not like all image are home runs or whatever, but I feel like they're select. At least it's probably going to be of a minimum quality level, you know? Yeah, like, I feel like this one was, was a was a feature in, like, the previous catalog. And you get you get that sort of, like, sometimes the, the few-page, like, art preview. I'm like, well, that art looks good enough. And then you're like, I don't know who these creators are, but then you're like, well, that concept seems good enough. So then you're like, I might as well roll the dice, right? <laughs> so yeah, this is about uh, sort of like a guy that's like a retired superhero. Like, I guess he was sort of like, um, I guess the closest analogy would be like a Green Arrow, just on the front of like, like he was the social issues guy he was the one that would be like 
about the environment or whatever, whatever the the thing was. Like that was that was his deal. That's that's what made him different than uh, made him an outlaw from the other heroes. And then uh, I guess he was done with it after a certain point, and then retired to some secluded woods somewhere just to you know live off the grid, live his life, as it were. And um, yeah, someone like comes to see him, and they want him for their cause. But he's he's. <laughs> There's this cool little sequence at the beginning where he, like, takes down this robot. Like, his his bad guys, I guess, have long since gone away or are dead or whatever. Maybe they're, they're uh, antagonists of some New Age heroes. Who knows? But, like, I guess one of, like, one of his villains had sent out these robots, like, hundreds of them. And I guess one of them maybe clawed himself out of, like, some riverbank or something and continued on like its mission to like kill him so he pretty easily dispatches this this robotic assassin and then you know scavenges the the parts so he doesn't have to go into town anytime soon so yeah there's one person this other guy gets uh lost in the woods looking for uh the frontiersman and uh you know he's like well we don't really want your money for like any environmental causes but uh you know we we would like if if you would uh like sit in with us like in the on this tall tree uh just as a symbol and fight for us so he's just like well i don't know about that like he sort of you know that's that's he doesn't do that stuff anymore so there's like some little subplots about some other stuff, some other characters, and you're just like, I don't know, maybe it's one of his bad dudes that's become a businessman or or something, right? Or maybe one of just the corporate guys, because he seems very much on the, like he just wants to keep everything on the down low and like just wait out these uh, environmentalists and everything. And then that's that's how he's going to win. He has the patience. So the frontiersman eventually uh he goes into town with this uh with this other guy cuz he hears something sort of piques his interest like one of I guess one of his uh old friends like became a teacher and everything and then he was also a hero so he goes to ask him about, about this whole thing and then he goes to ask someone else some advice about you know if he should lend his name to this cause and uh, I think he's going to eventually do that. And uh, I don't really know what the long game here is, but it it seems it seems like it might go to some different places. So they have a little preview for like just a little blurb of like the next cover, and you think, oh yeah, he'll like he'll do this environmental thing, right? But you don't really know like how far that can take him. Like, is he going to get like back into because he's a little disconnected from society and, and modern concerns. So you're like, oh, maybe he'll just do this thing and it'll come something else or whatever. But then the next issue says something about, uh, like, cosmic beings and everything. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, that was, like, that was kind of unexpected. Like, I'm sure they'll still do the other thing, like, where he's going to be... Uh, 
you know, introducing himself to these other people on this treetop and, and, you know, promoting the cause, but yeah, like also throwing in, um, cause he says he knew, he knew when he was out of his depth and, and like cosmic beings were the limit, but I still think it's kind of cool that they would, they would throw in some other, uh, crazy bad dudes along, uh, in here too so yeah i thought i thought it was pretty interesting and there's a whole you can tell like i wonder how much if they've written like a whole book or a whole list of names of characters and stuff because it definitely in the flashbacks it definitely seems like there's a whole other world that you could explore like there's other heroes and villains and stuff that uh have definitely been set up in the past so i don't know how many i'm sure some will show up yeah like I, I, I kind of expect some of that to go on. And, like, there's a whole sequence, too, with, like, a dude that, that had, an, like, a ray gun that made people crazy. And I was thinking of, like, the Mad Bomb and Kirby's Captain America, <laughs> mm-hmm. which also could be applied to, like, modern-day stuff, like, very easily. And then they have sort of, like, an editorial in the in the back here about where he's going to go into, like, give his spiel about oh, he loves comics and all that stuff. And he says, oh, but, you know, you're kind of uh, used to that whole thing in the back of the issue. And then uh, he, he, they just, it's funny, because some of these things can seem like, oh, we hate the big two, some of these things in the back, or they're like, oh, thank you for buying this comic because it's the industry is so hard or whatever. Like sometimes, like it's a turnoff to read these things in the back. So it's kind of funny that he puts out there that it says uh, one month as the best superhero comic on the shelves. So I guess that that that's their goal. And then they talk about some of the things they they see at the at the big two, and they're like, but he's, then he's like, well, I'm not trying to be competitive. If if you love the big two, uh, we're happy for you and all that. So it's kind of I I feel like it's more more of a conversation piece rather than. Um, uh, your comics suck, and stop buying them. Buy my comics. <laughs> so that that's their goal, and then they they sort of say like they hope to uh, have a like a long run. And I'm like, that's a, that's a cool goal to like. I'm fine. Like this was good enough. I mean, it, it's... <laughs> Kevin's never buying another issue. <laughs> Read between the lines, no. people. <laughs> I, I actually like something I would like though. I actually have it on, like on on a poll list. So, Whoa. I mean, I'm not gonna say that they entirely achieved their goal of of being the best superhero comics on the shelves. And then they list some of their examples of of great examples of superhero comics, like like Invincible, Astro City, Black Hammer, Concrete, The Elementals, The Badger, Empowered. Like I'm. I don't know if it's at that level, but it's certainly good enough for a first issue. And I'm thinking. You could go somewhere with this. Well, to get to that level, you need more than one issue. <laughs> well, definitely. And, and they, they... Nope, they Phil, they're one the and build. done. <laughs> <laughs> this is the greatest single superheroes. <laughs> it's a mic drop, Phil. They're done. They're walking away. <laughs> like, I don't know if I necessarily agree with with all their opinions on the big two because this that's this i kind of oh they did they offend you marvel (laughs) no definitely not how did maybe they offended my marvel phil i haven't even read it 
No, I, I've definitely read those those things in the back, like probably more like the Hawaiian dick trade paperback back matter where I'm just like, ah, like it, it just gets into stuff where I'm just like, we're of a of a different tune. I just I just think it's it's a matter of perspective, too, because someone might be like, oh, all like Marvel's putting out a lot of bad books. And I'm like, if they're putting a, a hundred books out, though, and I'm only reading well, 10 books. I don't think because I'm like, I, I don't I have the ability to read all books and I don't want to read all books and all the books aren't for me. But if I'm reading 10 good books out of 100 books, I'm like, maybe only 10 percent of their lineup is great. But to me, my perspective is like, wow, Marvel's putting out a lot of good books because all the books I'm reading are great. But I'm okay, not checking Kevin. all the books. And Kevin. if everyone's looking at the popular books that are terrible, they, their impression of Marvel is terrible. I feel like you're so, yelling at us. <laughs> so it's weird that, like, yeah, yeah, we're this. This is indie comic book noise, and now I'm like, oh, I'm defending Marvel. They're the greatest. But I'm like, I for a long time I only read like ten Marvel books. I have a question for you. Name ten good Marvel books coming out right now. Oh, this isn't the time or place for this. Because <laughs> you <I'm>... can't. <laughs> well, Phil, can. why don't you name 10 DC books that are great? I can't right, right now. <laughs> Mention 10 great DC books right now. <laughs> I can't at all. Because <laughs> it's it's in a slump for me, absolutely. I mean, I don't know if I, I could, because, but then I'm not like predisposed to be the DC guy. I mean, I, when DC Rebirth, I definitely was reading 10 DC books, and that was the high point DC for me, for reading their books, but I'm no longer at that point. I'm at a low for Marvel and DC now. Image, I'm still high, but, like, uh, sorry, not Image, Indie Comics, I'm still high. But yeah, Marvel and DC, I'm at a very low numbers these days. But, I've, but I feel like I've always been at a low number for mm. Marvel, because they always publish so many books. Yeah, but I might ridiculous. pick up like old stuff, but yeah, the new stuff I'm not yeah. I'm just not into right now. But but I know I will be again soon. I just need to wait for the right story or something, right? And I always wonder about I'm like, well, should I care if the rest of their line is terrible? If I can always find ten books? Like ten books is a lot of books. Oh yeah, that's funny. Like that that should satisfy you. But yeah, if you just look at the whole a line of, of books and you'll be like Oh man, they are so bad. I'm like, yeah, I can see it because you see 90 books that are that are terrible or not to your liking. But I'm like, that's not what I focus on. I'm like, if I do the same thing to Image, I'm sure I can find 10 terrible books in Image easily. <laughs> also, it's time again to tie back to what we were saying before. It's also time to divorce like books that aren't for you aren't necessarily terrible. Yeah, like, that's a- everyone's always like, this is, te-, and it's like. All right, some things are, I mean, we can be honest, some books are, obje- you know, they fail to communicate or you can't understand them or make heads or tail, but most of it's just, look, it's just not for you. Like, there are, there can be faults with it or whatever, but this, if I don't like it, everything's terrible is, I don't think, a useful metric. I mean, it's useful for buying yourself, but I think if you don't like whatever it is, Squirrel Girl or Superman or whatever, just don't buy it. Like, I think they're smart. The indie books are smart to leverage a couple of concepts of like, we can afford to have changes to the status quo. 
that's something that's very hard to do in big two books. Yeah. You know, we can maintain who works on these characters and keep a consistent creative team. Like there are some distinct advantages and I think they're smarter to market those like, you know, Eric Larson is the guy doing Savage Dragon or he approves whoever's doing, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there isn't some, when he's gone, some young storm bringing gun will take over or whatever. Like, no, he gets to choose. And if he wants to kill off a character, that character will stay dead until he decides to bring it back type of thing. And I think those are the real selling points. I um, couldn't believe he did a reboot just like Marvel and DC though. And I was just like, I was just like, Oh my God, he's playing with the reboot. He's doing the, that was kind of, I was just like, Oh, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. But anyhow, I'm, I would if if that other stuff wasn't controversial enough for this podcast. When he lists Black Hammer, I'm like, I think indie creators should strive higher than Black Hammer. Like, I think you should strive higher than just filing the serial numbers off characters. Like, I, then I start wondering, like, like it's ideas of Black Hammer. Like, if you had those with original characters, but I know some stories like. It's fine to do that, and it might benefit your story because you're telling a certain type of story. But like the Frontiersman, like, could I say this as another character? I'm like, no. Like, maybe you could say Green Arrow, but it's not like he's a guy that has a bow and arrow and he's wearing a green costume or anything. Like, he's like a sort of like a lumberjack on the cover, and he has an axe. I mean, this is... Someone say, Mike, this isn't a hundred percent original, but it's, it's. I can't say exactly what it's ripping off or whatever. So I'm like, it's original it's enough. It's more original than a Black Hammer character in the in the look. Like it's the stories in Black Hammer. I think that that appeal to people. Well, I also, I think there's. A, I think part of what they're doing is saying that so you know what books they like. Yeah. But it's so funny that they write those columns like it's still 1983. Most of the people, like you saw this in previews, like you had to, you, there's a chance a lot of people ordered this before they got to read their little editor. You know, I feel like we're no longer in the day. I mean, I try and buy my stuff off the rack and look at stuff, but I feel it's not a lot of decision decisions have to be made before anyone's going to get a look at that. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. Yeah, like this is definitely for the people that bought the issue and then read the editorial yeah. at the back. But, I mean, think about you had to make that decision before you read the editorial, most likely. Because all you had was whatever was in previews or a cover image or something. So, I feel like trying to use it as your sales piece is weird. Because we've already bought the issue most of the time. Like, sometimes I peruse, but it's not like I'm going to read the back editorial. Like, I don't think the comic store guy would like me. You know, I can flip through them. But you know what I mean? They don't want you reading the whole issue and then be like, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> so I think it's a weird place to put. That's the sort of stuff you need to put in your solicit, right? Or did you I mean, pull this they, off they... the shelf or did you get it off the uh, out of previews? No, I definitely ordered this from previews. But I, they do have in the previews, though, like what books it'll be like. Like, if you like this, 
like if you like Invincible or Astro City, buy this book. Like they they do play to some of that in the in the solicits too. Well, that makes sense. Like what I don't order out of solicits, but you need to take whatever info they got and figure out. You know, they got to sell it to you, right? Yeah, I I feel like they gave enough though from what they did, and it was enough to. Like for me to go either way on uh, on the book, like I was just like I felt comfortable enough um, doing it and going forward with it. I don't I don't necessarily think it's weird that Invincible, Astro City, and Black Hammer are, are all grouped together because I'm thinking these are very specific things, and I wouldn't necessarily say in they're not the best example of superheroes in every category. Like for added noble, noble causes. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, Normal Causes may, might have been a better thing, because I feel like, I this is the thing, I haven't read it, but it feels like it's it's more original and, mm-hmm. like, superhero love. Like, I would have put Invincible, Noble Causes, and that one me and you read, Andrew, where their their base is like a god's uh, decaying body. Remember that one by the Noble Causes guy? Oh, yeah. I remember the name of that. I don't. It reminds, it reminds me of that kind of thing. Yeah. Fulfilled. Because uh, Astro City is its own thing, like commenting on comics. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's different. Category. Yeah, so like, that goes with like the top ten stuff. Like Phil, I think I, uh, Kevin wants you to say Copra. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's some comics they only exist because comics existed before them, and without stuff before them, you wouldn't have a comic. So it's. it's so it's weird, like, those comics are weird, because they're not, like, they owe their existence to other comics. They're not a comic upon themselves. I don't think that's true. Like, how are you, like, how are you going to comment on something that doesn't exist? Or, like, Invincible, hey, it's a snake villain. You remember snake villain in that G.I. Joe cartoon and everything. If there's no snake villains, you're not going to have that villain, because you you can't reference anything. What about Chew? What other story do you know where you taste stuff and you get to see what goes on? Yeah, let's choose its own thing. It's not a superhero. Oh, forget it. And uh, I mean the pandemic thing. You know, that pie maker one. What's it called? The TV show. He does. Oh that yeah, too. the the, the where he can't daisies. touch anyone. Yeah. Yeah, pushing daisies. Pushing daisies. And that came before Chew, I think. Is that what that show was about? Uh. Yeah, he would. Uh, oh, you're right. It had nothing to do about pie eating pie. <laughs> <laughs> what? He touched dead people and he got their memories. But he also <laughs> would kill you if he touched you. He would die. Yeah, he just made pie. <laughs> this sounds like the Spectre or something. Yeah, it was pretty good. It's a really good show. I love it. Yeah, huh. it was a fun, like very quirky show, but it, very it did have like a indie comic book feel to it. I could totally see it as a image book but yeah i I don't know if we didn't have the problem is superman has transcended it's hard to know without superman would we have the idea of super you know what i mean it's impossible to say at this point but what i will say though is like while black hammer like owes itself to like other things this frontiersman is just like this is more original in that sense that it doesn't owe itself to anything else it's just doing a superhero book 
like it's not commenting on superheroes or anything. It's just it's being a, a thing on itself. Until so on the third issue front, comes out and it's an Avengers knockoff team. <laughs> it also well, feels like it issue, might be so so far by itself. It's its own thing, and they've succeeded on that level. Might so, also be a bit of that it. trope of the guy coming out of retirement, though. The old hero or vet or sheriff, yeah. or we've seen that in a lot of like movie. You know, the mm-hmm. he we used to be the now he's hung up his gun, spurs, axe, whatever, and they need him for this last mission, and there's nobody that can. You know, he's got this thing and grappling with his legacy and where he fits in the modern world and blah, blah, blah. But I feel like that's just story, not specific to comic book. Like no, that's all story. Not specific to comic, but it's a type yeah. of story that yeah, they're leaning I mean. into. So it's not when you're like, it's wholly original. Well, it's not. I mean, as original as you're, as you're going to get, like it's like, it's not just like if it would have just been a, a black hammer book, like the guy would have looked like green arrow on the cover. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Black Hammer. We can't escape. And if it, it. would have been Cobra, it, the guy literally would have been Green Arrow. <laughs> like that's you can't tell me that's not Deadshot. <laughs> oh, anyhow, all right. Those well, are both good comics, but so, I so, and so. sometimes you can do those comics and they can be great. But I also think you can you can aspire to more in your indie comics than just putting the serial numbers off of someone else's character. Well, I'm I like ending on a positive note, and also for a filler episode, this is getting kind of long. We got to get I got to get this out before those deadlines, boys. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, next time we'll get Super Steve for our Halloween extravaganza. I hope. Fingers crossed. Uh, any I don't last... know, maybe he'll be headed to another con by then. Any last words, gentlemen? Drock, Texas City needs that vaccine. Stay safe, everybody. Thanks. Previously on Pushing Daisies, young Ned had a special gift. He could touch dead things and bring them back to life. But he could only bring the dead back to life for one minute. Any longer than someone else had to die. And there was one more thing he had to learn. First touch, life. Second touch, dead again, forever. But as young Ned grew into the pie maker, this gift proved to be most useful in the untimely death of his childhood sweetheart, Charlotte Charles. Are you in love with her? You only got a minute. I know. 60 seconds. I know. What if you didn't have to be dead? You can't touch me. So a kiss is out of the question? You touch murder victims. You ask who killed them. You touch them again. They go back to being dead. And then you collect the reward? That's it in a nutshell.